0: good? Are we good? Okay. I love you all. You're bringing the most energy right now. But this morning, I have a confession. Right? That's why we come to church, you know, confess one to another. I have a confession. I cry a lot. No, I'm, I'm serious. You don't know if you should laugh or you should, like, get me help. I, I cry a lot. But let me be clear. I cry a lot but it's like not in your like, like traditional way. I think I'm just like easily moved, okay? And it's not with like the sentimental cards, although we love that. Again, reminder, Mother's Day if you haven't gotten a card. Um, and it's not, it's not like animal movies or anything, you know, classically moving. I could be sitting there on my couch watching some random reality competition and boom, instant tears. I could be watching a Gatorade commercial. This is real. Sobbing. Forget about it. I'm I'm a mess. And this is why the whole month of March, I'm a little unstable. And this is because of March Madness, okay? I'm a basketball fan, I played in college, so when I, when I watch these people talk about the players and the storylines and what the teams had to overcome, you know those like Cinderella stories, they, they shouldn't keep advancing, but they do against all odds, forget about it. I am in a puddle of my own tears. The truth is, is that it moves me because stories are powerful. Stories actually move people. Stories can actually transcend time or experience, right? Like I'm not playing in any of the games. <laughs> they unlock this world. And a good story, you know those stories that like have like this like catching like super inspiring beginning, right? You're like locked in from the the minute they start telling the story. Then you know that there's this middle part. And truthfully, like I would fast forward the middle part in my own life, watching a movie. I hate the part where things kind of go crazy, right? There's conflict, they have to like overcome something. The truth is, it all is worth it at the end, right? All the trials, all the obstacles are all worth it when it comes to this moment. You know the moment I'm talking about. This is the moment why we stay up way past our bedtime. We want to see the the nets get cut down. We want to see the confetti fall. We love a good resolution. We love the ending. We love the breakthrough. Now, how many know that there is absolutely nothing worse than a bad story? Anyone? Anyone sit through an entire movie and be like, what did I just watch? Please, anybody been there? And for example's sake, only for example's sake, this is no, like, let's take one of the movies, like, say, like, one of my husband's, like, favorite movie choices. One of those, like, pew, pew, pow, pow, action movies. Now, I'm not saying that all of them are like this, but a good majority... For example's sake, I'm like, why should I care about this fight scene? Like what in the character's life, what like tragic backstory is in a a play right here, right? And then on a side note, why are they always in the dark? Why are the fight scenes always in the dark? I already don't know what's going on in these people's life. Let alone, we're gonna like lower the whole, I can't see anything and I have no idea what the story is. There's nothing worse than a story that's hard to follow. Nothing worse than like, man, I just, I need to know why this matters. So today we're going to be continuing our series, Impact, and we're going to look at the power of story. And like I said, a good story, it moves people. A good story, actually, beyond just moving people, it actually has the impact when we share our story, it has the impact of releasing freedom, not just for ourselves but it actually releases freedom for others. And this is why the enemy hates when we talk about sharing stories. He hates the idea, truthfully, in my own life, just this week, it's been an absolute fight to get here. Between sick kids, I lost my voice on Friday. Like, he hates stuff like this. Because this actually reminds him of the defeat that Jesus has already won. The battle that Jesus has already won. Let's look today in revelation 12:11 and it says they conquered him that's the enemy by the blood of the lamb that's the sacrifice of jesus and by the word of their testimony that's our shared story for they love their lives even they love not their lives even unto death that part is a little intense but it's true <laughs> I love this verse because this verse clearly shows us that our stories, when it's shared, actually carries the impact of releasing freedom for others. It says that we conquered, we overcome the enemy by sharing our story. This is so important. So why is sharing our story so hard? Maybe you're like me and you feel like, I don't really like, have like, a classic story. Or maybe your story feels like unredeemable or painful. Or you're still in the middle of some messy conflict. You haven't yet had that miraculous resolve. Maybe you feel some shame with your story. I believe today that there's an invitation for us to step into what God has called us to do, which is to share our story. Yes, for our own freedom, but also to impact and release freedom for others, So let's pray and we're gonna jump in. Uh, Jesus, we just welcome you right now. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for, yeah, your voice in the room. We thank you that we know you and today we get to know you in a new way. So Jesus, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so in January, I took on a task, okay? And it's a very like, feels like a standard Christian practice. I'm like, I'm gonna read the Bible within a year, Okay. But if you did not know me, I am a three on the Enneagram, so I like to achieve. Um, so I didn't want to like casually month to month read this. No, I'm going to read the entire Bible in 30 days. 30 days to read the entire Bible is this Bible plan called 30 Day Shred, and it was just that. It was intense. I read and listen because I have small kids, so I'm talking like school drop-off. I'm listening to the Bible. And the Old Testament can be kind of intense If you've ever read it, now the Bible is broken up into two sections. We have the Old Testament, which is the story of God's people, uh, the creation of the world, like Leah talked about last week, into the Exodus, into the Ten Commandments given to Moses through God. And it's a story of, of God's people, Israel. And then we have the New Testament. The New Testament is the story of Jesus and the Christian church. So we have these two sections, and and I'm not going to lie to you. This reading the Bible in 30 days was challenging. At one point, and I honestly, I don't know if this is biblical, so don't hold me to this. But at one point, I was like, "Is the Bible giving me a headache? Like, is it possible that reading the Bible could actually physically give me a headache?" I was in the middle of all this action. In the throes of the Old Testament with all the wars and it's like some pretty brutal stuff. But I remember actually like viscerally responding to when the narrator, while I was listening to it, said, the book of Ruth. I could breathe. It was like I had been watching this action movie that is the Old Testament and I had somehow stumbled my way into a beautifully written romantic comedy that is the Book of Ruth. Now, it is Mother's Day, this is where my head went, this is where I'm going to take you all, you're welcome. When I heard of the Book of Ruth, I immediately decided that I was going to create a rom-com classic, okay? So I casted the Book of Ruth with some rom-com quality actors, okay? I will state that I had this movie poster done way before my message, so priorities. But we have Naomi starring Julie Andrews. We love this. We have, uh, right on the edge, we've got Oprah starring Julie Roberts, right? Who would, who would totally watch this movie? We have Denzel Washington starring as Boaz. And our main character, because I love her so much, we've got Sandra Bullock as Ruth. Ruth. Come on, it's a great cast, right? You would watch this movie. It's so good. All right, but in all seriousness, the story of Ruth is actually more than meets the eye. The story of Ruth has turns and twists and it has obstacles and it has, yes, love, but there's a greater picture at play. The story of Ruth in its four chapters in the Old Testament is actually a story of Jesus. Now, it it feels almost out of place in the middle of the Old Testament to somehow be in this storytelling-like moment where they explain this woman's life, but it actually points to a greater picture. It's actually, in its entirety, a picture of Jesus. It's what we call a type and a shadow, which just says that it is foretelling who Jesus will be. This is so important that we have this lens as we look at this story. The beginning of this story, right, all good stories have a beginning that grabs you in, that gets your attention. And the beginning of this story, we see a family of four. Now, this family of four was living in Bethlehem, and there was an extreme famine that forced them to move out of their home country into a neighboring country of Moab. Now, as they're traveling, we learn in the first couple verses that the husband passes away. So Naomi's husband passes away which is devastating. She was not expecting this. She did not see this being a widow play out in her life. This was not a part of the story she thought she'd have. So they face this tragedy and leaving her and her two sons and then her two sons get married. Yay we love that. Introducing Orpah and Ruth which Orpah, truth be told, Oprah was actually named after her, except they spelt it wrong. But every time I read that, I want to say Oprah. So I'm just saying that just in case I call her Oprah, okay? But they get married to these amazing Moabite women, and then out of nowhere, tragedy strikes again. How many of you have felt like in your life that a tragedy, you're just kind of waiting for the next disappointment? Come on. Tragedy strikes this family again, and and the two sons pass as well, leaving Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah as widows. And that's a tragedy in any sort of time. But specifically in this time, this was a big deal. This was like their lives were practically over. So Naomi hears of God moving again once in Bethlehem, and she decides, it's time for me to return. It's time for me to return back to my past place. Anybody else have God send you back to a past place with fresh vision? It's a lot of our stories, right? But as she returns, she tells her daughter-in-laws, like, listen, without my sons, I have nothing for you. You guys are young. Go live your life. So they decide to listen, except Ruth has a completely different response. Orpah's like, I'm kind of sad to leave you, but okay. (laughs) But Ruth's response, and this is where we'll pick up in Ruth 1, 16 she says but Ruth replied don't ask me to leave you and turn your back because wherever you go I will go wherever you live I will live your people will be my people and your God will be my God this is where it gets a little intense she says wherever you die I will die, and I will allow nothing but death to separate us. And you could tell at this point, like, it's like, okay, easy, Ruth. Like, because Naomi's response is like, she can tell that Ruth is serious, and they say nothing more, and they go on. Like, okay, Ruth, we got it. So they arrive back into Naomi's hometown. And as they arrive back, Naomi is hit with a wave of grief and disappointment. She's reminded of all the tragedies that have happened in her life. And as people are welcoming Naomi, which her name, which names are really important in the Bible, it tells a lot of their story. As people call her by name, she replies, do not call me Naomi, which means pleasant. She says, rather call me Mara, which means bitter, because the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. Now I think we can all level with Naomi at this moment, right? How many of us have walked through tragedy, have walked through pain, have walked through disappointment? And in the face of those things, we take them on as our identity. Right? Naomi saying, "Don't call me pleasant anymore. That's not me anymore. I'm bitter." Can I lean in here? How many of us in our own life we take on the pain, the tragedies, those difficult seasons in our life, and we let that define us. We let that become our identity. It's now who we are. I believe that God is actually lifting those off of us today. No, I'm serious, I believe that the places in your story that feel negative, that feel like they follow us everywhere, that it feels like you could never quite get past that one season, I believe that God is lifting those seasons off, and it's actually a reminder. Every time you feel that embarrassment, shame, or pain, it's a reminder that, yes, that happened, but do you know my God? Do you know my Jesus? So let's continue on in our story. So we see Ruth, a.k.a. Sandra Bullock. She's gathering all this food, um, trying to sustain her and Naomi. And she wanders into this field, and this field is owned by Boaz. And Boaz is a very uh, wealthy man, and this is Q, our character, Denzel Washington. He's there, he sees Naomi, and he asks the question, who is this girl? I've never seen her before. And the foreman says that she actually is this foreign woman who has followed her mother-in-law. He tells of the story of her loyalty. And this is so important because even in Ruth's shared story, it actually releases favor and freedom for her, but also Naomi. We see Boaz's response. He walks up to her and says, hey, you don't have to actually pick up the scraps. Why don't you just go harvest where the other young women are harvesting? She's like blown away by this favor and she falls to her knees and she's like, what have I done? Like, you don't even know me. And Boaz replies, I know, but also I've heard about everything you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. This is huge. It says that he hears of her story and in hearing her story, He actually is releasing favor. He says, I've I've heard of your story. And now may may God, (laughs) the Lord God of Israel, whose wings you have taken refuge under, reward you fully for what you've done. This is important because Ruth's story of loyalty actually releases favor and freedom. So Ruth goes home and tells Naomi about Boaz. To her surprise, Naomi says, actually, Boaz is a native, uh, he's actually a, a close relative to Naomi's late husband. This makes Boaz, wait for it, a kinsman redeemer. Woo, kinsman redeemer, isn't that exciting? Some of you might be asking, like, what is a kinsman redeemer? It feels like we should be excited about this moment. A kinsman redeemer is simply a relative, a male relative close to the line that actually has the, the laws right into it that they actually have the ability to take over and to bring freedom and order and stability to somebody's life in, re, in, in need. This is important because this kinsman redeemer term is also a term used when we talk about Jesus. That Just like Boaz in this story, and and we can read on, honestly, if you keep reading, it gets crazy. There's like a plot twist. There's a love triangle. You'll have to read the rest in chapter three. But this story actually shows of Jesus being the kinsman redeemer. Much like Boaz steps into this situation, he marries Ruth, they actually have a baby. And this is crazy because Ruth had been barren for 10 years. So God not only heals her emotionally by bringing a husband, He actually heals her physically. So she has this son, and this is what the, how the town's people acknowledge this moment in her life. And this is important because again, stories are powerful, and a shared story actually carries with it the impact to release freedom for others. So let's see what the town says. Chapter 4, 14, the women of the town say to Naomi, praise the Lord, who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and take care of you in your old age. I love this redemption here, because it's a redemption for, yes, Ruth and Naomi, but the town all takes notice. And I believe that this is what happens when we give our life Fully to Jesus. He takes any story, no matter how painful, no matter how desperate, how disappointing, he takes any shame and he actually weaves this together for his glory, right? They were were praising God for who God has been to Naomi and Ruth. So when we share our story, yeah, you might not be the hero of the story, you might have actually caused some pain in your own life. But when we share our story, our story carries with it the impact to release freedom to ourselves, but also freedom to others. And that's why the enemy hates when we share our story. He hates it. He wants you to believe the lie that you do not have a story. Much like myself as I prepared this message, I was hit with the daunting feeling of maybe I don't have any like crazy, nothing like dramatic, because my story is not those things. There hasn't been like a dramatic changing a Saul to Paul moment, but what my story's been, my story's been consistent. I said yes to Jesus at the age of five, and I meant it. And out of the 24 years of being a Christian, out of my very short 29 years of living, the question changed from do you know Jesus to how do you know Jesus? Who is he to you? And this is so important when we're talking about our story because who he is to you, who he has been to you is oftentimes who he wants to be through you. He wants to take, how many of you have ever faced disappointment? Come on. <laughs> how many of you have ever faced pain or shame within your story? He wants to take those places of brokenness, of pain, And he wants to change them into glory. He wants to, much like Ruth and Naomi's story, he wants to take every part of your life and he wants to weave together a beautiful story of his redemption. And the enemy, the enemy hates that. The enemy hates when we use our voice to bring freedom to others because it reminds him. When we release freedom to others, it reminds him his defeat, right? Like we read, It's so good. Well, as we continue Ruth, we get to the end, and it feels like the credits are rolling, right? They start doing like a genealogy, and you know, those are sometimes you're like, okay, let's get on with it, right? They start recounting, but this is very important. This is intentional. Where it feels like there's a break in the Old Testament action movie-like thing, there's this love story, That again, I said, is more than meets the eye. Because this actually points to Jesus. As we look at the genealogy in Ruth 4.21, it says, Salmon, which I really want to say Salmon, uh, was the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of David. Now, because we have the New Testament, and some of you might be like, David, okay, I get it, David and Goliath. But because we actually have the New Testament, this genealogy is actually continued in Matthew 1. And in Matthew 1, we can follow where Boaz's son, all the way down, trust me, I won't read this. I can't, and it would be extremely boring. But if we were to read all the way down, it leads all the way to the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. So not only does God redeem this family... He redeems them all the way to the point where their story, their family history, now points to Jesus, the Messiah. Your life, my life, our stories, all point to Jesus. Like I said, I said yes to Jesus when I was really young. And I grew up in an amazing family. I lived in a very rural community of 300 people that is Roberts, Illinois, which is about 35 miles from here. And as I was growing up, I had the privilege of loving Jesus every day of my life. And I understand that that's not everybody's story, but I'm super thankful that I had parents and people that helped that be a reality. But as I was growing up, I was one of five sisters. So my biggest prayer request was for a brother. I was over it, I had enough sisters. And I prayed, tirelessly prayed. And finally, this is us at Curtis Orchard, we love that. (laughs) Um, And finally, my mom finds out she's having a boy. Finally, my first answered prayer. This was the thing I waited my whole life for. As a little nine-year-old, I was like, yes, God hears me. And then a couple short weeks later, my parents find out that the baby had passed. And she had to do the full like stillbirth delivery. I was devastated. I was confused. I was angry. How could this happen to my family? God, I I thought you were answering my prayer, and here I am as a nine-year-old watching my parents bury a child. This was not the story I wrote. In my little nine-year-old head, much like Naomi, I did not see this a part of my life. But my parents clung to Jesus like Ruth did Naomi, and in a miraculous resolve, my parents have not one son. In a few short years, I have now two brothers. One is 17, Caleb, also they've already commented that they hate this picture, so sorry. And I have a 15 year old brother. God answered my prayer in a miraculous resolve. What was painful and devastating, I now have markers, physical people to say, I know the goodness of God. This is who he is. Now it would be so simple if life was just like that, right? We have a beginning, we have a what happened, and then we have a resolve. That's it, no more pain, no more problems. I hate to tell you. <laughs> it's not how it works. And I found myself, after me and Samuel got married and had our first child, Cadence Grace, which again, meanings mean something, which means rhythms of grace. I found myself a few short later years later in a hospital room in the middle of the night as a doctor leaned over me and said, I'm so sorry. You know, this this actually happens to one in four women. And you did nothing wrong. And I remember the room spinning in that moment. I never saw my life losing a child. I already saw that pain. I already know you, Jesus, as the healer. Yet I found myself facing the same loss, the same disappointment. I again found myself gutted, sad, confused, and in February 1st of 2018, Jesus welcomed our baby, Haven Psalm, which just means "surrounded by praise, to heaven." I never thought that would happen in my life. I know what it's like to be a mother. I'd already had cadence. And that grief and pain and disappointment, it tried everything it could to cling to me. But Jesus, in that season, he held my hand. I mean, through every step and through prayer and some kind of weird prophetic words, which we love here, right? In 2019, I welcomed Everly Mariah, which means unceasing healer, seen by God, a place of worship. And then super unexpectedly welcomed Judah Dean, which means praise leader through valleys. In 2021, I had once again met Jesus, the Redeemer in my life. Jesus, the redeeming healer, that can take any pain, any disappointment, any trial, and actually bring glory to his name. Because every single time I look at Everly, you know what I see? I see a victory for Jesus. I see a victory for me. And I see the defeat of the enemy. Because when you share your story, it carries with it the impact to release others to freedom. Your story matters. So wherever you feel in your life, there has been pain, disappointment, tragedy. It's a story that you yourself would not write. Attached to that story is a story of Jesus working everything for the good. Like it says, we're gonna read that Revelations chapter again, Revelation 12, 11, and they conquered him. That means us, we conquer the enemy. We remind him of his defeat when we what? By the blood of the lamb, that's the sacrifice of Jesus in our life and through our life. And then by the word of our testimony. This is what Jesus has done for you. What Jesus has done for me Stories are powerful, and stories carry with it the impact of releasing freedom for ourselves, but most importantly, for others. Your story matters. So wherever you've believed the lie, and maybe some of you are stuck today in in a place that feels like, I haven't quite seen the resolve. I haven't quite felt that that thing you were talking about where Jesus came in, he fixed it, and I wanna invite you today, say, Lord, where have you done this in my life? If you feel like you're not seeing victory on one side, I want you to remind yourself of where God has shown up in your life, where God has brought that miraculous resolve. You did not see your story going this way. You did not see the pain or the trial or the tribulation going this way. But Jesus shows up in only the way he can, which is to make any story, no matter how broken or pain-filled, a story that brings glory to his name. Just like Ruth's story, there's an invitation for us today to say, Jesus, and maybe it is, maybe it is you need to meet Jesus for the first time. But maybe you've been walking with him for a long time, and the question changes from, do you know Jesus, to how do you know Jesus? Who is he to you? So we have this amazing tool, which we love our creative team here. They made this awesome tool, and if you should have got it on the way in, and if you haven't, we have them at the door, and it simply says, share your story. Now this is a perfect tool to quickly give you an idea of how to tell your story, right? All stories have a before. In this case, this is the former life. And then you come into a place of how do you know Jesus? Who do you know him to be? And then your story that we're going to write down today is what has this meant to you? What is the difference since you said yes to Jesus, since he became more real to you? We have an opportunity to write our story down. I believe that our community, and when I say community, I'm specifically talking about Champaign, Urbana, Muhammad, Tolono, Rantoul, Sullivan, all the surrounding neighborhoods. There is an opportunity. I believe that the Spirit of God is hovering, the Spirit of God is waiting for your story to be told. Because stories are powerful. This little paper carries with it the power, the impact, to release freedom for others. So I encourage you today, where you've felt shame in your story, let God turn it to glory. Let's pray, and we're gonna go into a time of worship in Jesus' name. Yeah, Lord, we just welcome you. We welcome you into our stories. We welcome you into the pain. And we say, Jesus, become more real to us. And right now, we speak courage over the room to share our stories, to write down who you have been to us. And Lord, we just thank you for your presence this morning, that you're a healer, and you're wanting to redeem every area that's lost, broken, or in need of you. We love you in Jesus' name, amen.